the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Luke. Luke is written so that we might know we have a reliable faith. The events written about in the book were eyewitness accounts that Luke researched and wrote down for all to see. We have seen that Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born to a poor carpenter family in the city of Nazareth. He grew up and lived a normal life, doing woodwork till the age of 30, when he started his public ministry, calling all people to repent of their sins and turn to God. Jesus performed many miracles, healing the sick, the blind, the paralyzed, even calling out demons that had gone into people. Jesus began to teach in a public area. He taught of how God loves and how everyone ought to show the same love, even to their enemies. We saw that in order to live as God wants us to live, we must look closely at our own flaws before pointing out the faults in the people around us, to be honest with our shortcomings and failures, to love humbly as God loves. We join Pastor Will in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. See, the danger of becoming like those religious leaders that were persecuting Jesus isn't limited to having the title Pharisee on your desk. Every single one of these people listening to Jesus right now, we here today right now are in the same danger if we prize the appearance of spirituality more than actual spirituality. Paul describes leaving that life behind in Philippians chapter 3. He says, you think you're spiritual? You think you have something you can boast about? You think you have a resume? Let me read you my resume. I am circumcised. I was of the stock of Israel. And he, listen, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Concerning the law, I was blameless, passionate, and zealous. I was killing Christians, man. There was nobody out there at a resume like me. But I counted it all trash for knowing Jesus. I counted it all trash that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. And he goes, you know what? Guess what? I'm not there yet. <laughs> he goes, I have not apprehended. I have not grabbed hold of what Jesus grabbed hold of me for. I'm not perfect yet. I'm not like the master yet. So I am still pressing on to the high prize of my calling in Christ Jesus. That's his calling, to know him. All the other stuff went by the wayside. And I love in Philippians 3, 15, he closes out that explanation by saying, let us therefore, now he turns it on us, let us therefore, as many as be mature, be thus minded. If you're mature, then man, God's still working on me. I'm I'm trying to grow, I'm seeking his face. I I wanna change, I wanna be more like Jesus. And he says this, if any of you in anything be otherwise minded, if that's not your heart, God shall reveal even this unto you. And, you know, I ask you this morning, is that your heart? Lord, fix me. Not fix all the crazy people out there, but Lord, fix me. Or are you otherwise minded? 
Because if you're otherwise minded this morning, my prayer is just like Paul, that God would show you right now so that you can fix that and make it right. Parable number three, verse 43. It says, verse 43, for a good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit, but that word for is a word that's not correct. The word for there is a marker for a new thought. It's usually not even translated. So really the sentence starts, and a good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit. So now it's a third illustration. A good tree brings forth not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men don't gather figs, nor from a bramble bush do they gather grapes. The idea here is there exists no good tree that produces rotten, diseased, or harmful fruit. I have a lemon tree in the backyard. I'm not going to find arsenic or something on that tree because it's a lemon tree. That's how that works. Now, I found out something very interesting. Did you know that there are two kinds of almonds in the world? There are sweet almonds and then there are bitter almonds. Sweet almonds come from Australia, South Africa, the Mediterranean area, and the U.S. And they can be eaten raw or cooked with no issues, no big deal. However, bitter almonds are found in a different place. They're found in the Middle East and Asia. And if you were to eat seven to ten of them raw, you'll be dead. You'll be dead. Now, the poison has to be removed through heat, and then you can eat them. This is why bitter almonds are also called lethal almonds, because they'll kill you unless you cook them first. Now, please don't go rubbishing through your cabinets at home. You're in the U.S., so any almonds you'll have will probably be sweet almonds, okay? But that, I think, me saying that is Jesus's point. Jesus's point is we don't have to worry about getting bitter almonds here because they don't grow here, right? If you go to an almond tree in the U.S., you're going to get a sweet almond, okay? The idea here is if a tree is healthy, it's going to produce normal healthy fruit, not poisonous fruit. If it's diseased or rotten, then whatever fruit it produces will be the same because every tree is known by its own fruit. Apple tree makes apples, not oranges. Orange tree makes oranges, not apples. For of thorns, from thorns, you don't gather figs. You get those from a fig tree, right? You get roses from thorn bushes or other things. Nor of a bramble bush do you gather grapes. A blackberry bush is a bramble bush. You're never going to find grapes there, but you will find blackberries. You'll find grapes on a grapevine. So common sense stuff, right? What's the point? Verse 45. And it's a sermon illustration number three. And it's that I must invest my time in worthy things. For a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. Why? For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. The word good here, the word earlier good means healthy. But this word actually is a different word and it means of good moral character. In the same way that a healthy tree produces fruit that's healthy for you, a man who has good moral character, a woman who has good moral character, that stems from the good treasure that's in their heart. The word treasure there, it means that which is stored up because of its value. We don't, well, we do store trash, but it's to get rid of it. But we don't keep it, well, maybe you do. I don't know, maybe trash is your treasure. But most people I know don't treasure trash. We treasure, you know, if you have a coin collection or a stamp collection or a train collection or a stuffed animal collection, that's something you keep because you prize it. That's what the word here means. You store something up because of its value. So the idea here is a person's good moral character does not come from their profession of being spiritual, but by taking to heart the valuable things they learn in their relationship with God. That's where it comes from. 
Now, the opposite is true for someone who does wicked things. For a wicked man, which means immoral, corrupt, if someone is evil, immoral, corrupt, it says that they take that from out of the treasure, evil treasure of their heart. They have poured into their heart and stored up things that are wicked, corrupt, and immoral. Why does that happen? A principle, and here's the point. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth will speak. What my heart is full of is what's going to come out in my life. Garbage in, garbage out, as our moms used to tell us. My behavior is a direct result of what I take to heart, what I fill my mind with. It can't help but out, no matter how much I might protest, but I'm being spiritual. I love Jesus. I'm a follower of the Lord. But if you're storing up evil things in your heart, that's what's going to come out. If you're watching a bunch of shows with sex in it, don't be surprised you struggle with lust or with loving your spouse. If you're reading articles or books that highlight infidelity or homosexuality, don't be surprised if you're getting bitter about your marriage or wondering if the Bible's correct on marriage. You will struggle with that. Jesus' point to this particular crowd is this. You're angry. I get it. But retaliating against the evil done to you simply proves that you're spending more time listening to angry diatribes about injustice or unfairness than to things that will show you what God is like and how he deals with those situations. When we're reacting like that, it shows we're putting something in and treasuring that because that's what's coming out. On the other hand, if we're pouring in things that are good, you know, if we invest our time in God's word and serving others and in true companionship, which means one that's not centered about around complaining, if I'm doing that, then it will produce good behavior in my life. I won't look at the evil that's out there and go, and then want to shout it to the wind. Rather, I'll be like, Lord, my heart's broken for that. This makes me angry. But Lord, you love these people and and you want to change it. So Lord, will you send revival? Will you change me? Help me to have an impact positively in some way. Help me to make a difference. So I ask you this morning, do you need to stop investing time in something? Today would be a good day if if that's the case. Today's a good day to stop investing in something that's causing wicked things to come out. There was a a time, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago or so, and and me and Bev, we're from the 80s, 80s music, we love it. 80s music is the best anyway, right? I saw some yeses. I think it's an older service in the morning because they were all on board with it, so... But we were just laughing about the silly songs that we loved when we were kids. And, you know, that, that was, they were top hits. We're like, really? That was a top hit? So what came to work the next day, and, and I was working at Chick-fil-A at the time. As we were there, we had Z88. My owner would play Z88. And uh, Z is great, but it has a tendency at times to be repetitive and slightly old-fashioned. Like, if I hear shackles on my feet so I can dance one more time, I'm going to break the radio. Like, that song, I think, is from 1783. I'm like, we need to update it a little bit, okay? So we had been hearing some complaints lately at work, like, I mean, the music's cool, but it's just too repetitive. Can we get something else? And so me, being the wise person I was, like, hey, guys, and because we all were from the 80s, and we're all talking about the silliness from it, like, hey, let's put on the classic rock station just for a couple days. And so we laughed, and we had memories, and we were just funny, whatever. But then it stayed on for a few weeks, and we noticed that arguments were flaring up a little bit more. I noticed in my own heart that I was thinking thoughts and a little bit more uptight than I had been before. I caught myself actually listening to the rock classic rock station on the way to work. And I was, Pastor Will was singing a song about a centerfold. (laughs) 
And as we're driving, the Lord's like, centerfold, huh, Pastor Will? That's, that's just, that's great. And I thought, what have I done? I've put garbage in, and now I'm starting to get garbage out. You know, if there's something you need to stop investing your time in, today's a good day to start. Sermon illustration number four. He actually starts off with the point first, and then it gives the illustration. Verse 46. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. Now, people would approach Jesus all the time with desperation. Lord, Lord, please heal me. Lord, Lord, please help my daughter. Lord, Lord, please help my son. And, and we saw one just in chapter five when the leper came and said, Lord, Lord, if you're willing, I can be, I can be clean. But the word Lord, it means master, boss, owner. And so Jesus' question to all these people who are following him is legitimate, considering the heavy things he's just said and considering the fact that some of them don't like it. See, some of those listening, they wanted Jesus to be Lord of their problems because that means he could make them go away. <laughs> but they aren't so sure they wanted to be Lord of their behavior. And so Jesus is telling them, guys, it's a package deal. And his final illustration drives this point home. He says, the person that is coming to me and hears my sayings and is doing them, and this is all, they're all in the present continual tense, which means now this is someone who, who just really wants to learn more and live it out. They are all in in following Jesus. That person, let me tell you what they're like. He says, he is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation of a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. The phrase dig deep there is actually two separate phrases in the original language. The idea is he was digging for the purpose of going deep. The reason he started to dig was to go deep and find something. What? To find solid rock for the foundation for his home. And the reason was, is that so when the flood would arise, the home would be sturdy. And so Jesus says, when the flood arose. Now, I love how Jesus says, when the flood arose, not if the flood arose. We all experience challenges in life, no matter how well you build your home. That, that's just life. Job was one of the godliest men who ever lived. That's what the Bible says about him. The Bible says, there's a passage where, it says, uh, where the Lord says to Israel, he goes, even if Job and Joseph and Daniel were, were in the country right now, I'd still not spare you. That's how, how upset I am at your behavior right now. So Job is one of the most godly people who's ever lived, according to the Lord. Job said, life is hard and full of trouble. <laughs> Everybody experiences difficulties. We all experience loss at times. But the idea here is that when the flood arose, and, and, and the idea is when the, fl- when the river overflows its banks. Back then, everybody lived as close to water sources as possible, which means many people lived near rivers. So it was a common thing to have the river overflow. That was something you had to deal with. But the idea was, is you wouldn't want to build your home in a way that if the river really overflowed, like it says here, it beat vehemently, which means it overflowed quickly so much that the water struck the house. You know, the idea is that the water's coming with force, that you want your house to stand. Well, this guy's house did. It says it, the water could not shake it. The river hit it hard, but the house wasn't rattled or unsettled because the foundation was rock solid. Now, doesn't that sound like a life you want to live? That when hard times come your way or challenges come your way, that you, yeah, it's rough, but there's loss, but you keep plowing ahead, right? That your, your home is solid? Good. Well, conversely, though, Jesus says this, 
But he that hears and does not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now notice there's no word coming here. This is not someone who's regularly coming to Jesus. This is someone who's curious, maybe even needs help, but they're come, and they come to hear Jesus here and there. But they aren't interested in everything Jesus offers, and they have no intention of doing what he says. That man, he says, let me tell you what he's like. He's like a man that without a foundation built a house. He just came to the ground, didn't dig, just built the house right there on the soil. And when the stream overflowed, when it came against the home, it says immediately that home fell. Now the word there, fall, it's a medical term. Luke being a doctor, he uses medical terms, very precise. It means to collapse upon oneself, to shrivel. This home doesn't even put up a fight. The water seeps through the soil and the house just collapses. It just shrivels from the inside. How different is that from the one that isn't even rattled? And yet that's not even the worst part. For it says, and the ruin of that house was great. The word ruin is also a medical term. It means a laceration or a rupture. It is a big injury, something that leaves a painful scar. What's the point? Jesus' point is clear. Guys, he's already said, you need to follow my example. I know what I said is hard, but you need to follow my example. I'm already doing it. Number two, don't pretend to be more spiritual than you are. Don't think you've made it or arrived yet. You need to examine yourself. Number three, invest your time in worthy things. Jesus wasn't going to stoke their anger. They needed to get right back to the scriptures, right back to the Lord. But lastly, they need to obey what Jesus says. You need to follow through with obedience. Because proximity to Jesus without obedience results in painful loss. Because you're going to be mad at God then. You go, God, why did you let this happen? Why is my house destroyed? Why do I have this painful scar? Why is my life ruptured right now? It's not the Lord's fault. If I reject what Jesus says to do things my own way, my solutions will be the very cause of the pain I experience when it all collapses upon itself. We all experience difficulty and even loss, but our lives can be unrattled by those things if we pursue learning from Jesus and obeying what we learn. We follow it through to the end. Proverbs 14, we read it in our scripture reading, it talks about that a little bit. I want to read to you the first three verses because it kind of highlights it. You know, there's a way that seems right into a man, but the end thereof is death. That's how our scripture reading closed this morning, but I want to read to you the first three verses. It starts off, it says, every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish one plucks it down with her own hands. Isn't that Jesus' point? You know, if you're going to be a wise person, you need to build your house. But if you're going to take matters into your own hands and say, well, I know the word says this, but I'm going to do it my way, you are literally tearing down your own house. I see this all the time where particularly in a family situation, a woman refuses to obey the Lord, will not do things God's way. They'll continue to hound their husband or they'll continue to try to take control of the situation. And they say, well, this loser, he won't get it right. He might not. But you taking control of the situation is not gonna fix it either. You are literally going to bring ruin upon your own house. The same thing for a guy. He that walks in his uprightness fears the Lord. If you want to have an upright life, then you've got to love what God loves and hate what he hates. On the other hand, 
He that walks, that is perverse. The word perverse means crooked. You want to always be going every which way and have no stability in your life? Then go ahead and despise the commands of God. Go ahead and despise the commands of God. You're going to bring ruin upon yourself. Same thing. For he says, the, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. And that's what it comes down to. I think I know better than the Lord. Pride. Jesus in John 15, 15, right before he went to the cross, he told his disciples, you've observed my life. And so he says, henceforth I, I call you not servants, for the servant does not know what his Lord does. But you know what I've done. You've watched my example. You've seen how I've lived out what I've taught you. So I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. In fifteen fourteen, he had already just told them, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Loving God and fearing God, that's what it's all about. It's, they're one and the same, and the re, they result in obeying God. So we need to follow through with obedience to Jesus' commands. So that brings us to the end of the Sermon on the Plain. While Jesus starts the sermon with blessings upon the humble and correction for the proud, his command to love others is the greatest principle in his kingdom. It prompts him to exhort his listeners to obedience. And our question is, is, is that us? Jesus is great when he's healing me or my loved ones. Jesus is great when he's forgiving my sin and cleaning up my messes. But is Jesus great when he's calling me to repent? Is Jesus great to me when he's challenging me to change? The heart of a disciple says, yes. Yes, you are, Lord. Have your way, Lord Jesus. And I ask you this morning, is that your heart? You know, I can't think of a better time to let the Lord examine our hearts than the Lord's Supper because that's what Paul told us to do during the time of the Lord's Supper. He says, let a man examine himself. That's a time to say, Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Are there any logs in my eye? Or maybe are there any smaller things in my eye that you want to deal with? I don't want to pretend to be more spiritual than I don't want to. I don't want to ignore your example and your commands and I don't want to just keep on putting junk into my heart. I want to follow you. So Lord, whatever you want today, let me know. I'm all in. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I don't know everybody who's here today, so I don't know. I told you a story about a man who counted that whole life of everything that was great, his whole life, his whole popular, religious, powerful life. Paul, he said it was trash. Well, what changed that guy's life? What brought him to that place? Remember, he was on the road to Damascus to arrest more Christians. And the Lord met him. Knocked him down and said, hey, Paul, how's this working out for you? You got all your stuff, all your prestige, all your fame, all your glory, all your power, but you're pretty miserable, aren't you? It's been hard for you. I've been trying to deal with you and you've been ignoring me, pushing me away. It's been hard for you to kick at the goads. You ready to submit? And Paul's answer was, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'll do whatever you want. And if you're here today and you've never done that, you've never said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want? The Lord's answer is clear. I want your life. I died for you on the cross. I paid the price for your sin. I love you with an everlasting love. Won't you give me your life? Let me wash it all away. Let me change you. Let me come inside. Let's pray. Lord, right now we acknowledge that we are not there yet. We have not arrived And we don't want to pretend to be more spiritual than we are. Right here in this moment where we're going to open our hearts to you, we don't want to pretend to be more spiritual than we are. And we ask you, Lord, have your way. Lord, if there's something in our hearts right now, something in our lives that needs to go, 
an area where we're being disobedient to you, an area where maybe we're pouring things in that aren't good for us, Lord, would you show us so we can invest our time in other things instead? Would you examine us as we examine ourselves? Oh, Lord, you know our hearts, and so we give this time to you now to remember you. In Jesus' name, amen. In order for us to love as God loves, we must continue to fill ourselves with his word and his presence. We must practice the presence of God in our lives if we truly want to live holy lives. We will never attain to sinless perfection in this life, but we can be filled to overflowing through the Holy Spirit as we yield each moment of our day to God's will for our lives. This is true life, to know God. And as we know more about Him, our lives are transformed to live and love as Jesus does. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.